Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Basketball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Dodgers in six. I don't know who they're going to play, but they're going to win the World Series. They're going to win in six games. It's over, Scott. It is over. I, I, yeah, maybe. I hadn't even thought about the regular baseball angle here. My head is still spinning from all the fantasy implications of tonight's blockbuster. And then the the supplemental trade that followed, the Dodgers making a couple moves. Uh, Gosh, I'm I'm still, I'm still just trying to take it all in. I'm speechless, Adam. Speechless. I asked people for Mookie Betts headlines, and I think Chris might have the best one. Who wants a Mookie? They weren't, you know, it wasn't the easiest like headline to come up with. There were some good ones. Maybe I'll share them with you. But uh, right now I'm going to tweet out the story that Chris just posted. It is uh, 10.20 p.m. Eastern, and the bets trade went down about a half hour ago, but the details were still spilling out. So uh, please check out Chris's write-up. Scott and I are going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about stolen bases. We got an email about a bunch of players who could steal you 20, 30, 40, 50 bases, and we'll talk about them. Uh, and your emails, fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. We were going to get to Manny Machado on yesterday's show on whether or not he could return to greatness, but we ran out of time, so let's do that today. Okay, here's the deal. It's Mookie Betts to the Dodgers, and David Price going in that deal as well. Betts has one year left. He's going to make $27 million and then be a free agent. Price has three years and $96 million left. Reportedly, the Red Sox are going to pay about half of that. Uh, Meanwhile, Alex Verdugo, outfielder for the Dodgers, who had a very good rookie year, he's going to the Red Sox. Kenta Maeda's going to the Twins. Boston's getting starting pitching prospect Brewstar Gratterall. I believe that's how we pronounce it. Haven't been able to get confirmation on that uh, from Minnesota, Brewstar Gratterall. So the Red Sox are getting two young pieces, Gratterall and Verdugo. Twins getting Maeda. The Angels are going to get Jock Peterson from the Dodgers for infielder Luis Renjifo. Okay, biggest fantasy winner, Scott. I think the biggest fantasy winner is somebody you didn't even name. Uh, and, and that's Gavin Lux. Now, now <laughs> I know I know we got to do some bending and... and twisting to come up with that but just stick with me here all right it actually is part of that peterson deal peterson going to well actually the combination of peterson and verdugo two outfield possibilities for the dodgers in peterson's case an outfield likelihood uh are now out of the picture that frees up cody bellinger they're going to need him in the outfield right he is now a full-time outfielder uh uh, they're getting mookie bet 
bets back too, obviously. But I suspect the Dodgers outfield is typically going to line up bets in right, Cody Bellinger in center, and AJ Pollock in left field. Which means first base, there's an opening that goes to Max Muncy, which means second base for sure goes to Gavin Lux, unless he falls flat on his face this spring. And that is reason to be excited, given how big of a prospect Gavin Lux is. So that's that's probably the biggest winner. I think I think Alex Verdugo is right there with him in terms of going from a very crowded situation to now it looks like he has a free path here to everyday at-bats for the first time with the Red Sox, obviously, where he's still going to be in a a strong lineup, a down bets, but it's still he's still has Rafael Devers, Andrew Bogarts, J.D. Martinez, Andrew Benintendi, depending on how much we believe in him. They're all part of that lineup still. Alex Verdugo, very good contact hitter, uh, whose power ceiling is a bit unknown still, but 20-plus home runs in this environment seems perfectly possible. If he's batting leadoff in that lineup, he's going to score a ton of runs. And honestly, he's probably the biggest winner just because he wasn't being drafted in even five outfielder leagues, at least uh, 12-team five outfielder leagues. And now he almost for sure is probably going to be drafted in three outfielder leagues too. So let's go. Let's say Alex Verdugo is number one. Gavin Lux is number two. Verdugo hit 294 with 12 home runs in 106 games, and six of his 12 home runs came in an 18-game stretch. The other six came in 88 games. But, yeah, he doesn't have um, much of a track record because he's very young and, uh, you know, good prospect. I don't, him batting leadoff for the Red Sox would be interesting. Roster resource has him batting leadoff. I think maybe Ben Benintendi could fill that role. but He could, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Devers, uh, I think, was hitting second much of last year. and Well, Verdugo's a left-handed hitter, too, so never mind. Scratch that point. I was thinking maybe they wouldn't want to go lefty-lefty. But Verdugo, is it worst going to bat six? He might bat first. He might bat second. I like it. It's difficult to say at this point, but he's going to be part of the middle of that the top or the middle of that lineup. Yeah, and Chris talked yesterday about the difference between Fenway Park and, and Petco. If had bets had gotten traded to the Padres, this is a better destination than that. Uh, Berdugo was For better bets, at yeah. home. Yeah, well, right. Uh, right. Honestly, I, I think the bets move, it's a huge deal for Dodgers and Red Sox fan, of course, but I think from a fantasy perspective, it's one of the least interesting parts of this. I well, mean, let's talk about it here. I mean, I think let's not bury the lead. Okay, so okay. Mookie Betts, who... Last year was a top five outfielder and the number seven hitter in points leagues, number 13 in Roto. And a down year, he was the number 13 hitter in Roto. He's always going to be just mega awesome. We, we did it in points leagues. We did an AL only uh, mock draft today at 8 o'clock p.m., about yeah, an hour and a half smart. before the, before the Good trade. Thinking. Good planning. Yeah, right? And I blame myself. I was sitting there. I had, the, I had the fifth or the sixth pick, and I was like, why is Mookie Betts still there? Why Am I really going to get Mookie Betts? I was like, oh, wait a second. Don't draft Mookie Betts. He's going to be in the NL soon. So, yeah, yeah but in points, he still leagues, he's amazing. the first round. I don't know if we're just going to redo that draft because obviously there's no Jock Peterson in there and no. Um, no Maeda. Verdugo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we're just going to put a disclaimer on it or redo it. It didn't take that long to do, but <laughs> it takes a lot no. to get people together, I guess. 10 team we'll points. Have to look into that. Yeah, it was a quick draft. So, Anyway, with bets, we know that in a down year, he's a top 13 hitter in Roto. 
top seven in points. Um, I guess technically in 2017, he was 10th in points, 17th in Roto hitter, not outfielder. In a good year, he's the number one hitter in fantasy, 2016, 2018. Mm. But we also know he's been better at home. Sure. Particularly with batting average. Um, If you maybe want to draw a comparison to Manny Machado, who got traded to the Dodgers in 2018, and he had an 825 OPS with the Dodgers, which is very good, but not really anything close to what he did in his last four seasons at Camden Yards. 915 OPS, 884, 894, 1139, then got traded to the Dodgers, and it was 825. So I, you know what, Scott? I'll say it. I, I, I think Mookie Betts is going to have worse numbers with the Dodgers than he would with the Red Sox, than he did with the Red Sox. Yeah, I, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Dodger Stadium is pretty fair. This isn't Petco Park he's going to. And it's not it's Fenway not like, Park. It's not, well, Fenway's not exact. Fenway gets overstated at the kind of park it is for hitters. Uh, and, and besides that, Manny Machado, I think, is a rare instance of, hey, look, every year this guy's numbers, ro- road numbers are worse, and then he goes to a different park, and hey, it looks just like his road numbers. Like, that, and I don't feel like that happens very often. Um, he's going to, obviously, a stacked lineup again where we would expect him to bat between number one and number three. So it, with the Padres, we were worried about him going to a worse supporting cast and a significantly worse venue and both of those bullets are dodged now uh maybe maybe the expectations drop a slight amount but he's still the fifth hitter off the board for me in either format and uh, you know ultimately whether he lives up to that or not is going to be a, a matter of how often he runs uh, which maybe will be less with the Dodgers. I mean, they're they're not a team that's particularly aggressive on the base paths, but it's it's just a wild it's just wild speculation. I feel like applying that to Mookie Betts' projection, they're probably just going to let him be Mookie Betts, and Mookie Betts, as we know, is a five category stud or at least contributor, and I think he'll remain such with the Dodgers going into a contract here as well. And the Dodgers have had a great great team for several years in a row obviously i mean they're consistently great but i'm just i'm looking at this now so i hope i didn't mess up i don't think they have scored as many runs as the red Sox in any of the last four years the last four years is when mookie betts really became mookie betts uh and that's gonna happen when you have a pitcher in your lineup if he's batting if he's batting lead off i i maybe the rbis come down because i guess i'd want to take a look at that you know lead off hitters in the nl versus lead off hitters in the al but I, I don't think the Red, the Dodgers offense is great as it is. Well, I don't know. Man, it's pretty damn good right now, huh? <laughs> All right, but yeah, uh, you're picking them to win the World Series, and you probably should. Well, they're going to the lead the I would imagine they'll lead the National League in runs, but how are they going to measure up to the to a great yeah. Red Sox offense well, that that right. would have Mookie Betts? No, no DH. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a tough standard. Yeah. So, like I said, the Red Sox have scored more runs than the Dodgers four straight years at least. And last year was close, though. Last year, the Red Sox were fourth in scoring, and the Dodgers were fifth in scoring. They were the number one team in the NL. When Yankees, Twins, Astros, Red Sox, 15 runs behind the Red Sox were the Dodgers. All right, so Scott made his point clear. Number five hitter off the board, Mookie Betts. Uh, Would you take a pitcher before Mookie Betts? I might in a points league. Garrett Cole would be the only one. 
Uh, as of right this moment, I'm inclined to stick with Betts at number four, Cole at number five, and then Acuna is number six in a, in a points league. Obviously, Acuna is higher in five by five where those steals are so important. So wait, if Acuna, if Acuna is one of the hitters ahead of Betts and Roto, who's the hitter mm-hmm. ahead of Betts and points? If it's not... Is there a different hitter that's not Acuna? No, no, there's not a different hitter. He's fourth. He's my number four hitter in points. And number five and number in, fifth Roto? in Roto. Betts ah. is. Yeah. Okay. So it's Trout, Bellinger. Who am I missing? Yelich. Ah, yes, that guy. Not in that order necessarily, but those are the hitters. Yeah. Right. Okay. And then how about uh, biggest loser in this deal? Big. Well, I, there's some other winners I want to get to. Yeah, Adam. yeah, have, for sure. We will. I'll, we'll cover okay. every angle of it, I promise. Okay. Uh, the biggest loser? Um, it's hard. I, yeah, I haven't actually thought of it. For Okay, so the biggest loser is probably Red Sox fans. <laughs> 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 no, I, I actually think if, if you were buying into the premise that trading bets was the right idea because they weren't going to be able to re-sign him anyway or weren't willing to re-sign him at what he was asking for. Uh, they did pretty well last year of a guy's contract to get two high-end prospects. I know Verdugo's graduated from prospect status, but uh, it was recently that he was a high-end prospect. And he's done fine in the time he's seen in the majors before, nothing to really lower his stock. So that's him and Gratterall. Um that's a pretty nice return for the Red Sox. I guess if there was a loser, it would be... Uh, are we including the Angels portion of the deal with Jack Peterson moving? Sure. Why not? Um, I worry about Tommy LaStella and David Fletcher's playing time with Jack Peterson going there. Obviously, they're capable of playing middle positions that Peterson isn't, but Anthony Rendon obviously is locked down at third, so it's really just second base. Uh, La Stella was in line to play a lot of first base. David Fletcher looked like he was going to get some of the bats in the outfield. Jack Peterson's going to clutter, add some clutter to that first base outfield mix that might push them out. I don't know who loses the most. I mean, maybe La Stella hardly plays at all. Maybe Fletcher goes to just a super utility role where he's subbing for everybody. And those are kind of fringy mixed league guys anyway, but... Uh, definitely makes me think twice about drafting them at the end of a deep mixed league draft. Peterson, I I'm just looking. Yeah, I mean they pretty much sat him against lefties. I don't really see why that would change. He's not. You shouldn't start him against lefties. So, yeah, he could he could platoon there for the Angels. Um, I don't know. Maybe a loser's David Price, just because we know the Dodgers usually pretty deep in arms and. Not shy to put a pitcher on the IL. Uh, yeah, that's true. But that's a good I, point. A and and they reach. were taking him mostly as a salary dump situation. But I mean, Price was okay for most of last year, and I think going to the NL obviously, yeah, helps his chances of being okay again. Um, oh, you know what I wanted to look up and I didn't look up is Mookie Betts because here, okay, here's an issue for Betts. It's not only the ballpark of Fenway to, to the Dodger to Dodger Stadium, but you are now losing Yankee Stadium, Camden Yards, Rogers Center. Mm-hmm. Hitting in the AL East is awesome. Mm-hmm. There's only one bad park. Now you've okay. got Arizona with a humidor. I don't know what is that like a neutral park. Yeah, it's neutral. You got the yeah. worst park in baseball. 
in San Francisco. Yeah. You got San Diego. It's worse for lefties than righties, but yeah. You do have nine games in Colorado, which is nice. Yeah, that's nice. So that's another part, another angle of it. And I wanted to look up his numbers at every AL East ballpark, but look, the facts are just I I love hitters in the American League East, unless Mm -hmm. once that play half their home games in Tampa Bay. It's just. Well, let me ask you, Adam, is there another hitter you would consider sliding ahead of bets? Beyond the five we already talked about at the top there. I don't think so. Beyond so. the other four, I guess. He's one of the five. Certainly not in a points league because his plate discipline is so yeah. good and so valuable. Yeah. And if he falls short in homers, he already hits a lot of doubles too. So, yeah. I guess in a roto league, I would probably lean Garrett Cole over Betts. That's not a hitter though. No, no, no. I'm just thinking. But but that, but that, I don't think I would have done that if he were still on the Red Sox. Okay. Is there another hitter? No, I don't think so. Because then you're talking Trevor Story, Francisco Lindor, Nolan Arenado, and no, mm-hmm. I would say yeah, that's the thing. Right. I mean, it's 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 it, it maybe hurts Betts' ceiling and floor a little bit, but it, it's like it, th- those five were just so clearly a class of their own that I mean, the the chance of getting real contributions in all five categories, uh, you can't pass it up <laughs> uh dave richard has a uh has a headline for us the price is wrong bets and he put uh, happy gilmore punching bob barker so that was that's not bad um the price for bets may cause you verdugo that's not bad that's pretty good uh i did it all for the mookie getting a lot of that hold on to your bets and right, i'll see if i have any more let the mookie win you bets your bottom dollar. The Dodgers couldn't have made a better deal at a lower price. That's a very in-depth one there. So let's go through the rest of it, Scott. Kenta Maeda, go. I think he's probably the third biggest winner in this deal because the Dodgers have always held him back. They've held him back start for, by start in terms of how deep they were willing to let him pitch into games and notoriously they would shut him down in mid-August, send him to the bullpen because they didn't want him to meet certain salary escalators for uh, both innings pitched and for games started. And I think the Twins' pitching needs are too great for them to worry about that stuff. I mean, they gave up a high-end prospect in Bruce Dark Gratterall for just Kenta Maeda. Uh, I was trying to do some math here. Sometimes all the details of a contract, all the finer details are hard to find online, and I didn't have a lot of time before the podcast. But from what I could tell, even if Maeda gets all of the benefits from pitching as many starts and innings as he can, he's still going to be less than $15 million. That's going to be his salary. And the Twins were in on every big free agent pitcher that I'm aware of. Obviously, they ended up making more than that, the most that they could possibly pay Maeda. So I, I, I think for a high-end pitcher like Maeda has the potential to be, they would be willing to go that far. And I, it I always just seemed like a Dodgers decision to me. Uh, yeah. The innings, Maeda averaged only 84 pitches a start last year. So clearly they weren't pushing him very hard. And he's he's a lot of times with pitchers, you see their stats the third time through the lineup, and is there's this huge jump. Well, Maeda's worse the third time through the lineup, too, but he's still respectable. I mean, it's normal to be worse the third time through the lineup, but that didn't seem like a problem, the reason the Dodgers were 
limiting him from start to start. So I, I feel like he is able to be an innings eater for the Twins. And if if he if he's that same guy, but now he's eating innings, I mean, that that completely, completely changes his value. He I just goes, don't understand why he's a four ERA guy. You know, like he's a little homer prone. I feel like he should be better. He's a really good strikeout pitcher, but at the end of the season, you know, he's a, he's a higher ERA guy, and typically three of his last three of his four seasons, Maeda's had a good whip, you know, like a solid whip. One year he had a bad whip, but um, you know, he doesn't have a terrible control. But last couple of years, three point one, three point oh walks per night, not great. I I do I don't understand why he's not a better pitcher. His ERAs what? have been three forty eight, four twenty two, three eighty one, and four forty last year. Oh, no, he 404. Yeah, 404. he hasn't been a 4-year guy every year. But, it, you know, high threes. High threes, low fours. And it, it might lean more toward the four range pitching in the AL. And if he is going deeper into games, obviously that's going to mean um, a time through the lineup where he's not quite as good. So I would imagine another ERA around four is likely. But if it comes with a good strikeout total and a low whip... I mean, in this environment, that's, you know, that's basically what Lance Lynn was last year, right? I mean, it's still a very useful pitcher. Let me um, ask you this. Does this bother you with Kenta Maeda? Career at home, 323 ERA. Career on the road, 454 ERA. Not really. No, I think that's probably just... One of those things that happens. I mean, there he's going to be facing a lot of bad lineups in the AL Central, right? Which might include Cleveland, by the way. Yeah. Um, oh, that's great. Yeah. AL Central is a great place to pitch. I think. The, yeah. I think we saw that last year. Yeah, and if it was if Dodger Stadium was more extreme than it is, it would give me some pause. But it's normal to have better numbers at home for everybody and. Yeah, I'm not that worried about it. And not only that, not only is the AL Central a great place to pitch, you don't have to face the Twins if you're Maeda. I mean, <laughs> they had scored the second most runs in baseball last year, second or third. I forgot what I had just said. Uh, all right, so here's where he's kind of going in ADP. Carlos Martinez, Luke Weaver, Andrew Heaney, Kenta Maeda. Carlos Martinez, Luke Weaver, Andrew Heaney, Kenta Maeda. I definitely move him ahead of Heaney. Uh, Luke Weaver obviously showed some high-end potential too last year before he got hurt. I think I don't think I would change him that much relative to ADP, but I know in my own personal rankings I have to move made up a lot. Okay. So, Bruce Dargratterall, go. Well, the Twins were basically saying they were going to use him out of the bullpen this year, that that wasn't the long-term plan, but that's how they wanted to use him for now. Obviously, he got his feet wet as a reliever last year. The Red Sox rotation without David Price, it looks like Chris Sale, Eduardo Rodriguez, and then what you got? Nathan Avaldi, Martin Perez. Pretty, It's going to be pretty easy for Bruce Dark Ratterall to break in there. And he has um, really, not not only is he you know, just like a hard thrower who can miss some bats, but he has really, really, really strong ground ball tendencies. Like he seems like a pitcher who's well adapted for the modern game. And, uh, 
you know, the, what he was doing in the minors last year before he missed some time with an injury. And that's kind of why he came back as a reliever because they didn't have time to rebuild his innings. Uh, but yeah, he was, he was looking like he was ready to break through and now might get the chance to do that this year. I think, I think stock is up for him in the immediate future. Yeah. Would you be drafting Bruce Dargratterall in a 12 team league? Points league? Yes. Yeah. Sparp there. Uh-huh. Yeah. I would do that late, but yeah, in that would format, I would draft him. Rather have? Would you rather have Brendan McKay or Bruce Dargratterall? Uh I, I, I think I would rather have Gratterall because it's not like McKay's being handed a spot either. There's some rotation clutter there for the Rays. Michael Kopech or Gratterall? Um. I, I'd be inclined today to say Gratterall, though if you know spring is happening and it's it's becoming apparent that the Red Sox aren't giving him an honest spot chance to win a spot in the rotation, then maybe I I hedge there because I do think Kopech's upside's higher, but we don't really know what his timetable is coming back from Tommy John surgery. According to average draft position, Scott Corey Seager is going only five picks ahead of Gavin Lux. How do you feel about that? Uh, my rankings are probably similar, though it bothers me for Seager, but shortstop is just so much more abundant than second base that you could understand why that would be. Okay, are we done or anything else? Oh, man, are we done? Are we ever done, Adam? <laughs> 25 I, minutes I, on a trade is pretty good. I'm inclined to say no, we're not done, but I'm... I'm struggling to think of the angle we missed here. Let's do David Price or David Price or um, Frankie Montas. I would say. Oh, definitely Frankie Montas. Sorry, I was still thinking about if we're missing something. Definitely Frankie Montas. Don't take my hesitation as a side that I'm okay. not confident in that choice. David Price or Robbie Ray. Robbie, uh, <laughs> hmm. <laughs> I don't really like Robbie Ray. I'm, I think I might go David Price there. All right, last one. David Price or Mike Miner? Mike Miner. Okay. We are done. Let's move on. Email of the day number one is from Kevin in Detroit, Michigan. Scott, let's talk about steals for a little while. I was looking at people to take in this year's draft based on your input and was wondering if this would be a good strategy. I'm in a 10-team, 6 by 6 categories league where OBP and quality starts are added. I'm trying to target four of the following guys for my source of steals. Ooh, that's four of these guys. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Oscar Mercado, Tommy Edmond, Kevin Biggio, Byron Buxton, Garrett Hampson, Victor Robles, and Malik Smith. Mercado, Edmund, Biggio, Buxton, Hampson, Robles, Malik Smith. In this 10-team, 6x6 categories league, Kevin wants to target four of them. Would that be enough, or should I try going after someone like Trey Turner, Whit Merrifield, or Mondesi with a couple of these guys? It would be enough in a 10-team league, absolutely. It would be enough. Uh, you do put less pressure on yourself later on if you grab Trey Turner early, certainly, and uh, probably won't need as many of those guys. And 
you know, other people are going to be trying to grab these guys too. So it might be difficult to get four. If I was, if you were asking me which I prefer for steals, I think Victor Robles is obviously the safest bet of them. Uh, I like Garrett Hampson and Tommy Edmond to get at least 20, if not 30. And so, fourth, yeah. I would probably say Kevin Biggio because okay. he's going to be the most helpful all around. So those would probably be the four I'd aim for. Though I don't know how many lineup spots you have. And if you get all four of those guys, it might be limiting your I think so. your, your, your team's power ceiling right. too much. I think it's a mistake. And here's the other thing. This is important. Okay, this is a six-by-six six league with on-base percentage. Mm-hmm. So steals are not... You add even one more category, steals become a lot less important. Yes. Um, and OBP, obviously, is becoming much more important. So, first of all, all of these guys, Hampson, Robles, Robles stole 28 bases and 37 attempts in 155 games. Buxton, who, you know, you're looking at probably 30 steals if he plays the full season based on what he's done in his last few seasons. Uh, Kevin Biggio, Tommy Edmund, Oscar Mercado. Malik Smith is the outlier. Malik Smith is the guy who could win you the category by himself if he well, stays in the lineup. Well, he's not win you the category, but but yes, well, he has the highest steal ceiling. He could that he, is yes, probably all he does, and he has to stay in the lineup, as I think you were winding I up was. to say. Yes, but he stole forty six bases in one hundred and thirty four games last season. Malik Smith stole forty bases in one hundred and forty one the year before. He could be among the league leaders blowing away the competition in steals. The other guys, 20 to 30 steals, you know, so um, you got to make sure they're good hitters. And Yeah. Now, I, I think Hampson and Edmund is. are good hitters. I just don't know that they're the kind of hitters that are going to also give you 20 home runs. They might give you more like 12 to 15. So that, and Biggio could give you a lot of home runs. Biggio could conceivably hit 30 home runs. And, so, and he's going to give you OBP. I mean, I like Biggio a lot in this format when you add it on base percentage that you also have batting average. Right. But so I think what I, I like would do, I, I want to just go for Malik Smith and take my lumps every, everywhere else. Um, I would probably just aim for three of the four I gave you. And I would probably skip Robles just because the upcharge will be more on him. And I'd, I'd aim to get all of Edmund Hampson and Biggio. But that is in an ideal world where I can just assume they're going to be there for me. Other people, like I said, are going to be going after them for steals too. So you have to keep that in mind. I don't mind Malik Smith. Uh, I it seems like you really don't like him. He 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 got well, demoted. Look, he's he's, he's was, barely hanging on to a job right now. If he was on any team other than the Mariners, yeah, their outfield's but, not good. I mean, well, they have some young guys coming up. I mean, it, it wouldn't take much for him to lose his job. I, I think there's a scenario by which he bounces back in batting average and, and becomes an asset in that category again, but it's it's certainly not one I'm counting on. He's not that far off from from Billy Hamilton, who used to go in like the fifth round. And he, I always hated it. Yeah, he was probably overdrafted, but right now <laughs> Malik Smith's yeah. going 157th overall. So there's there's big upside if he stays in the lineup. And with Hanniger out to begin the year, it'd be Shocking if Malik Smith didn't open in the lineup, right? Uh, yeah, and I would. He's going to get. I a don't chance. know about shocking, but I would be surprised. Yeah. Okay, but these are you know this is a good list of players that can steal you twenty to thirty bases, maybe maybe better. And um, yeah, how many do you want? Well, get make sure they're good hitters. If you know, 
especially in six by six. Mercado, Edmund, Biggio, Buxton, Hampson, Robles, and Malik Smith. And Robles is someone I really wanted to talk about because he had such a quiet year. I feel like we never talked about him. And he wasn't very good, Scott, Victor Robles, but still very young. And I just want to get the full numbers up. He batted 255 with 17 home runs and 28 steals. Yeah, I don't know. He, he batted. He batted toward the bottom of the order, which never helps. He stunk yeah. against lefties. I think he, but he's a righty, which didn't make any sense. I, I don't know. Like, does Victor Robles have um, breakout potential? And I think it's funny that he's going earlier this year than he did last year, and he didn't really do anything <laughs> to, to support that. <laughs> well, he didn't do anything except proved he could hold down a major league job, and and that he would run enough to be a clear asset in that ever so scarce category. I I I think what you're going to find Adam because I know you are kind of just getting back into swing of things with baseball is that anytime there's a guy who can steal bases, you're going to think to yourself, "Wow, he's going a lot earlier than he should" because there's just a lot of uh stolen base derangement syndrome I'm going to call it going around because the sh- because the scarcity there is so palpable but i as somebody who was dismissing it early on i've now drafted enough roto teams that i'm kind of like yeah yeah i probably need to move up all my steel guys as painful as it is because i don't think they're very good it's just not something you can afford to go without is 28 steals enough to warrant you know let me let me just look up robles's average draft position Obviously, you know, things have changed. Well, he's going earlier than Hansel Robles. 75th overall, Victor Robles. So that's ahead of Max Muncy, Gary Sanchez, Bo Bichette, Jose Abreu. We are not talking about superstars. That yeah, makes you mad. It makes me mad. I don't like hearing that. It sounds wrong. What? He's, he's going too early? He's going ahead of those guys. Yeah, we are talking about big You're upside, right. He but... wasn't very good last year. He He made some... Weak contact, too. So oh, yeah. it's not like you oh, can yeah. look at the underlying skills and say, ah, here, here's how it's all going to change for Victor Robles. But he gave you steals without killing you in anything else except maybe... I mean, he didn't kill you in batting average. He gave you 17 homers. Didn't have many... Uh, 65 RBIs is not bad for a steals source, primarily. So, Yeah, he was the yeah. number 34 outfielder in points, number 29 in Roto, which doesn't sound that bad. But when you play 155 games, you'd like to be a little bit better than just top 30. And uh, there is still upside, obviously. He was one of the very tip-top prospects working his way up the minor league ladder. And just because he didn't impacted the ball very well in his first year in the majors doesn't mean it's never going to happen for him. I just obviously like to see actual evidence of something before I assume a guy's going to give it to me over a full season. Cool. All right, so that's Victor Robles. And do you want to talk real quick about how you've adjusted your roto drafts in terms of steals? Well, I kind of just did. I haven't... I know you said you're moving him up, but I I, I guess... I haven't hammered down specifics very well yet. It's going to take it's going to take a more complete look at the rankings than I've had time to do yet to figure out how I want to adjust for the stolen bases and starting pitchers also, which I've decided I despite my sincerest efforts to move them all up, I'm I'm not satisfied with how 
high they are relative to to hitters because uh, I find myself wanting to get more and more of them every draft I do. So they're all going to have to move up. I'm just, I'm just saying, and I know this, like this is reinforced to me every roto draft I do that there isn't going to be a steals bargain for you. It's just not going to happen. You are going to have to reach for one. Mouth and that's big, that that shows in the ADP. It needs to be banked, baked into my rankings better, or else people who come, go into a draft holding my rankings in their hand are going to end up missing out on stolen bases. Okay. Malik Smith, by the way, he's your he's your uh your bargain. So, you know, we you Scott, I think a few years ago, you used to say, well, instead of getting a guy like Billy Hamilton, I'd rather get, you know, five guys that are going to steal, I don't know, 15 to 20, 15 to 25 bases or something like that. I don't know if that's really realistic anymore. You know? Oh, it's realistic. Is it? Because I know, yeah. I know that, that... I mean, the, maybe not five. The emailer just four. sent a whole list of them, but uh-huh. I just don't see people rostering that many of those players. They're just not good enough. Well, those aren't the only ones. Oh, they're, they're good enough. For, see, for you to have in, four in, of them in on a your roto team, lineup. I don't in know. In a league with a roto lineup. I don't know. Mercado, Edmund, Biggio, Buxton, Hampson, Robles, Malik Smith. I don't think I want four of those guys on my team, especially in a 10-team league. Like, you are okay. sacrificing way too much power Fair, production. But you need to get some steals earlier in the draft, too, is yeah. the thing. Oh, yeah, for like, sure. I am all about now. In fact, maybe in a roto league, I just need to do it and make Trey Turner my number six hitter after this five we were talking about at the top of the show because it just feels like such a relief to get those steals more or less uh, uh you know take care of that early in the draft uh it's a commitment obviously but it's a player who's proven several times over now he's worthy of it so there's plenty of power to be found later I think I may need to do go ahead and make that specific change in my roto rankings, and I may be going even. I I don't even think that's the industry consensus, so I may be going above and beyond to get Turner specifically because I recognize that it's it's harder to get a handful of steals guys than ever before, like you're saying. But at the same time, I don't want to devote a roster spot to a Malik Smith, particularly if it's not a five outfielder league. Alrighty. Email of the day number two is from Ian. Why does Scott hate Eloy Jimenez? Looks like his average draft position is around 67 on various sites, but Scott has him at 115. Would love some commentary on this as Eloy is a player I'm debating in a keeper decision. Well, keeper's decision is going to change the equation, obviously, because Eloy Jimenez was a very high-end prospect who had a great rookie season, and that's somebody, depending on how many keepers your league has, somebody you might want to attach to your team for a long time. But if we're talking about in a redraft sense, which is what my rankings are for, there are just enough outfielders who I think performed by a significant margin more than him last year that that's as high as I can justify putting him. I'm ranking above him above where the numbers last year say he should be because I am looking at the second half numbers and, and counting on him to maybe not sustain that completely, but be better in his second year. I just can't. I, I, there's, there's a point where I can't. I can only do that up to a point. And it sounds like the industry as a whole maybe is, is more willing to project 
for him in that way, but I just don't see the downside to taking any of those hitters, any of those outfielders I rank ahead of him instead. Like who? And we're talking about Eloy Jimenez here. Who are you taking ahead of him that the industry is not? Well, I have to pull up my rankings here. How do you not have your rankings pulled up, Scott? I, I mean, come on now. Talk- I've been talking a lot. I'm That's not a true. good multitasker here. Okay, so, um, yeah, Jimenez, I have 28th. Um, I would be okay with moving him ahead of Marcelo Zuna. That was a recent change I made, taking a closer look at Ozuna's batted ball profile. He was one of the biggest underachievers last year, so I'm, I'm being high on Ozuna there. But Trey Mancini was a stud last year. Eddie Rosario, very consistently high-end. Max Kepler was a stud last year. Victor Robles stud. also talked about the steel situation. Trey Mancini, a there. stud. That's, that's pretty... Who? Mancini, a stud? He was a stud last year. Look at the numbers. Well, absolutely a stud last like year. Like three years and ago, those are studly numbers. No. Not true. Uh, pretty good. 291. 35, 35 homers, 97. 97 RBI, it's 106 runs. Crappy plate discipline, one steal. <laughs> uh, pretty better, good, though. Pretty damn good. Decent plate discipline. Uh, all right. Okay. He, he improved his plate discipline for previous years. Among other things, 143 strikeouts is standing out. I understand if, yeah, but 143 strikeouts and 679 plate appearances is a good rate. That's not. I am looking. Okay, you know what? I there's really I don't know why I'm arguing with you. Okay, so <laughs> Mancini, but that's the thing. Like, like really? if you don't if you don't want to be if you want to be that guy who says, okay, Trey Mancini's only done it once. I don't believe it just because of that. I can buy that argument, right. and I'd be fine ranking Aloy Jimenez there. But then if you get any further past that, Mancini and and the two Twins outfielders, uh, then you get into like Tommy Pham, Giancarlo Stanton, Jeff McNeil territory. I mean, that's those guys are outside of the top 20 in the outfield. So it's just, I, I've been facing this a lot with outfielders and with starting pitchers. Why do you have player X so low? It's just because there are a lot of players to like there, and I'm prioritizing him a little less for some reason. That's that's really all it comes down to. It's not meant as, ah, oh, I'm worried about Aloy Jimenez or anything like that. It's interesting with Jeff McNeil. I mean... Well, has, the second base eligibility obviously factors in there. It does help, yeah. But three home runs in 2018 for Jeff McNeil. Only 63 games. But in the majors, three home runs. In the minors, a lot of home runs. Yeah, but in the majors, he had three... Okay. Yeah. I'm just saying. The power didn't come out of nowhere. He was pretty darn good last year. That's 318 and 329 batting average two seasons. Okay, Elo Jimenez, one thing, you know, got mentioned. OPS by month. Not like he had a consistent season here. OPS by month. 704, 643, gross. 942 in June. 632 in July. 761 in August. Uh, 1093. He had a huge September. Batted 340 with nine home runs, but boy, does he hit a lot of ground balls. 48% ground ball rate. I'd like to see that change. All right, we're going to move on to the other emails. I guess I keep teasing it, so why don't we talk about it? Manny Machado. We uh, we had the segment yesterday, can these players regain greatness? And I know Chris wanted to talk about Machado. I stole Machado from him and then never brought Machado up. That is such an Azer move. So let's do, and now let's do it today where Chris isn't even on the show. So Machado, yeah, Machado was the number 10 shortstop in points leagues, number 13 in Roto. 
He was number 15 third baseman in points leagues, number 17 in Roto, and he was putrid at home. Batted 219. Now, he hit 15 homers, but a 703 OPS because that batting average and, and OBP were, were low. 882 OPS on the road. I mean, that's really good. So can Manny Machado regain greatness, Scott? I am betting against it. I I think too many people are betting on it. I think the numbers just work out so perfectly that we have a pretty good idea what's going on here, and it's totally a venue thing. His career numbers, I'm sorry, I can't break them down any more than this, but his career numbers, obviously recognizing that most of his career has come in Baltimore, at home, 285 with an 862 OPS. On the road, 273 with a 778 OPS. Now, normally that doesn't raise any red flags, but it was so consistent over the course of his career. And then he gets to the Dodgers in 2018, first time in a new venue, 273 with an 825 OPS. Pretty much the road numbers, right? And then he gets to the Padres, 256 with the 796 OPS. Now, even worse but obviously closer to the road end of the spectrum there. And then when you take into account what his numbers actually were at Petco Park, this guy seems like a very, his production is uh, highly venue dependent. And when you look at his batted ball, ball profile, it's easy to understand why. A lot of fly balls. Not a, The line drive rate is startlingly low for a player we've always regarded as, as high end. And it's been very consistently so in the 15 to 20 range. Um, that, that means he's going to have a low batting average of balls in play. And 274 last year. Um, sometimes it's been right around 300. But it hasn't been the normal high BABIP that we're used to seeing from a player. So what, what I'm trying to say is, apart from the home runs, he doesn't get a lot of help in batting average. So if the home runs aren't as high, the batting average very clearly suffers too. And uh, outside of Camden Yards, the home runs haven't been as high. I don't, I'm, I'm not confident that's going to change. I am confident he'll hit better than 219 at home. but they will, He'll probably be a little better than he was last year. But I, I guess what I'm saying is those numbers from that half season with the Dodgers, the 270-ish batting average with the low 800s OPS, that's more what I'm expecting from Machado. And at, he's dual eligible, but it's the two deepest positions in fantasy where there are plenty of other high-end alternatives. But you know so what I'm, was weird, though? What? So he had an 825 OPS with the Dodgers, 273 batting average. But at Dodger Stadium... He batted 279 with seven homers in 29 games. He had an 874 OPS at Dodger Stadium. So it was. It's a pretty good home run park, Dodger Stadium. That's what I'm. Okay. That's why I'm not that worried about Mookie Betts. Yeah. That is I mean, you could bets. slice and dice it up in ways to make. to convince yourself something else is going on. But we have a year and a half data of him outside of Camden Yards. And it, it was all a lot worse than him inside Camden Yards, which is also what the home away splits showed during his career at Camden Yards. He also had a pretty so. bad 2017. People sort of forget about that. He, he, yeah. he was the number three shortstop that year, but that was a bad year for shortstops. He batted two, he had, 
almost identical numbers. 259 that year with 33 homers. This year he hit 256 with 32 homers. Um, you know, runs, RBI, steals a little bit different, but he basically had a 31 game stretch that season with an 1100 OPS, and the rest of the time in 2017, Machado just wasn't very good. So it's two out of three years where he hasn't been that good. I think, I think I'm inclined to say 2017 was just sort of a fluky bad year, and if he still were in Baltimore, he'd probably be amazing, like he was in 2018. But Scott's That's right. That's how we were interpreting it as at the time, and we were right. We were right because yeah. he was he was he terrific back. in 2018, but. I think Scott's right on the money there. All right, let's read some more emails. Ended up being a mailbag show. Oh, a uh, quick uh, couple news items. Well, this is big. Texas signed Greg Bird to a minor league deal. So <laughs> just watch out. Second chance, Adam. Hey. You going to buy a Rangers hat? <laughs> if he makes the team, I'll buy a Rangers hat. And Scott, question for you. How many days in a row do you think can, can you eat leftover food? The, like the, the same, same meal yeah. in consecutive days? Yeah. Oh, I have a high tolerance for that sort of thing. <laughs> really? Yeah. Really? I mean, obviously, it would depend on how much I like the food to begin with, but I could go four. Okay. I Tomorrow. mean, I'm not saying I often do. Tomorrow's going to be four for me. Yeah, but I could. Yeah, I bought a lot of uh, pizza and wings for the Super Bowl, and nobody showed up. <laughs> And Nobody I've just been, yeah, very small Lots party. No, very small party. Cancellations two years in a row. So <laughs> I knew I was buying too much, but this was this was extreme. If you, were, if you lived down here still, I would have invited you over. And oh, thank you. I would have invited would have you over. It would have just been you and me. But. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so tomorrow will be day four. Um, I think I'm pretty much over the wings, but I think I could crush a little bit more pizza. Yeah. Fantasy foot. Oh, sorry. Fantasy baseball at CBSI.com. Have you had the the uh, meatball ricotta pizza from Anthony's or what? Of course. Yeah, that's what I've been. That's the staple from Anthony's. Yeah, that's that's I've been. Yeah. Three days in a row. Very good. Mm. Okay. That, that's a rich pizza, though. That might be kind of tough. All right. Tomorrow's just going cheese. Just cheese tomorrow. Okay. Scott, this is Brian from Brooklyn. Can you help me choose two outfielders in a keep forever six by six league with OPS? Ramon Laureano, Roberto Ozuna, Kyle Tucker, Joe Adele. Um. All right. Can you repeat those names, please, for me? Yes, Brian from Brooklyn. <laughs> <laughs> Ramon Laureano, Roberto Ozuna, uh, Marcelo Ozuna. That's what I meant. Ramon Laureano, Marcelo Ozuna, Kyle Tucker, Joe Adele. And how long are we keeping them? Forever. <laughs> Give me the kids. <laughs> okay. Adele and Tucker. Tucker and Adele. Okay, Mike in Iowa. A faithful listener. Head-to-head points league. What's going on with Iowa there, Mike? Jeez, not a good day for them. 12 teams. Eight keepers per team with a utility position. Lineups lock weekly. I have the big three from last year, Eloy, Vlad, and Jordan Alvarez, and I would like to keep all three. But my problem is working them into the lineup as I have Bregman at third and Trey Trey Turner at short. Would I be crazy in a points league contemplating dropping Turner, moving Bregman to short, and opening up third base for Vlad? Oh, well, his other keepers are Acuna, Harper, Josh Bell, and Clevenger. I don't know. Maybe you want to drop Josh Bell instead. I don't know. Yeah. Or or Jimenez, right? Jimenez was one of the three. Yeah. 
Aloy Jimenez. Um, I, I don't. Does he? I'm, I don't. I can't. What I can't remember all the keeper details he gave or if he gave them all. But he um, didn't. Eight keepers, but he didn't say you can keep them forever or anything. Like they're that. all so young that I'm not really worried about longevity so much with any of these guys. It would be between Bell and Jimenez who I dropped, and if you if you were really tied to Jimenez. Bell seems like a safe choice to drop. Plus, he doesn't have a ton of believers, it seems like, so you may be able to get him back in the draft. It's from Adam Hawkins, 12-team, 5x5 league with on-base percentage, 10 keepers with contracts. My current keepers are looking good, but I have 11 potential keepers. I need to eliminate someone. The most likely candidates to eliminate are Manny Machado, essentially nine round, ninth round keeper price, or Lewis Robert, last round keeper. Uh, Machado. So, Machado. Okay. Thank Get you. him out of there. From mm, no name on this one. Sorry. 12 team, six by six head to head categories league. Keep four players at the round they were drafted, maximum three years. I'm keeping Trevor Story and Luis Severino, so pick two from here. Remember, you can keep them for a maximum of three years. Adalberto Mondesi. He was a waiver wire pickup. You got to keep him for the round they were drafted, so that's late. Mondesi, waiver wire for two years left. Jesus Lazardo, waiver wire, three years left. It's categories league, by the way. Frankie Montas, waivers, three years left. Brandon Woodruff, 16th, three years left. Kyle Tucker, 21st, three years left. And how many am I picking? Two. I am going to pick... I think I think because it's a categories league, you got to take those steals of Mondesi. And my second pick would be Woodruff. And finally, from Mark in Maine. Hey, Adam slash everyone else. I'm in a 14-team, 9-by-9 dynasty categories league. You can keep anywhere from 0 to 8 players, no restrictions, no budget. Keep them as long as you like. I'm so far keeping Trout, Devers, Alvarez, Meadows, Bichette, and Flaherty. Now I have to pick two of these five. Cindergard, Albies, Muncie, Yates, Carrasco, Ugg, I hate this. <laughs> pick two of Cindergard, Albies, Muncie, Yates, and Carrasco. I am going to pick... Uh, zero to eight players, no restrictions, no budget. Budget, so definitely a long-term focus here. I'm going to pick Albies, very young, long future with him at a weak position, and I'm going to pick. I think it's fairly easy, actually. I'm going to pick Cindergard. Albies and Cindergard. Perfect. Great show, Scott. Whew. Can you believe yeah. that the Moogie Betts is on the Side Dodgers? Relief. Can you believe it? I cannot. It's crazy. I, I can't. I. I I'm still trying to wrap my head around this, Adam. Even though I just talked it all out, it still doesn't seem real. Who's going I'm to? I'm probably uh, going to spend the next hour pacing just <laughs> thinking about it. Who's going to win the World Series? <laughs> um, uh, I, this has got to make the Dodgers the favorites, right? It's got to. I, I would say so. Yeah. Yankees, Dodgers. Uh, that would be. Yeah, that would be what I'm thinking. Ratings bonanza. 
If it happens, I mean, obviously. Oh, it's going to happen. Favorites don't always make the World Series. Come fact, on. They usually don't. They but. always make the World Series, Scott. <laughs> okay. That's Scott White. I'm Adam Azer. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll come back uh, tomorrow with another episode. Well, actually, it'll be Wednesday, so it's probably today for most of you with another episode of Fantasy Baseball. Today. See you. If you've ever been in the market for a new home, you know home shopping can be a lot. There's so much you don't know and so much you need to know. What are the neighborhoods like? What are the schools like? Who is the agent who knows the listing or neighborhood best? And why can't all this information just be in one place? Well, now it is on Homes.com. As somebody who's been through this, I can tell you these features are so, so incredibly valuable. They've got comprehensive neighborhood guides and detailed reports about local schools, and their agent directory helps you see the agent's current listings and sales history. The area you live in is just as important as the house itself. You can get to know a neighborhood without ever setting foot in it. Say you're a really active person. You could find out about the nearest parks. Do they have a baseball field? Maybe you want to join a softball league like Chris and I play in. Also, Homes.com collaboration tools makes it easier than ever to share all this information with your family. It's a whole cul-de-sac of home shopping information all at your fingertips. Homes.com. We've done your homework.